Keith, uh, what did you refer to me as one time? Do you rem oh, you've probably referred to me as many things, but what? Do you know? Was it what the Maven? What what is a Maven? Yeah, I'm an information collector, and last night I collected some really bad information. So I'm here to warn you, because that's what I do. I Keith's right. I I buy gadgets. I go to restaurants. I do entertainment. I I'm I'm always try to be the first, and then I can warn people. Well, don't go see everything everywhere all at once. Oh my gosh, what a waste of time. And then the thought that Hollywood, now the younger generation all love the movie. I get it. I, I'm old. Uh, I'm an old guy, but uh, it's the whole multi-universe thing, you know, that the imagination and everything else, and it's kind of a comedy on that. But uh, the fact that Hollywood's going to celebrate that is crazy. Is crazy, but that's Hollywood. That's what I would expect from them. Here's a quote from here's a quote from the movie. It actually says, "If nothing matters, then all the pain and guilt you feel for making nothing of your life goes away, sucked into a bagel." So let that s sit with you for a little bit. Like the the ba the bagel being a big black hole, like goes into nothing and really the the theme of the movie was nothing matters nothing matters here's another quote every new discovery is just a reminder we're all small and stupid <laughs> and it's up for best movie but what would i expect from the world what would i expect i mean that is what they think it's really what they believe and you know if somebody from that world was standing here and they heard me teach this morning they go they're crazy they're what he's teaching is crazy because they can't understand it they can't and it takes me to where paul was in Philippians chapter 3, he's describing things from a, a spiritual mind. He's looking at the things on earth and of this world from a heavenly perspective, from God's point of view, which you are able to do because you have those of you in this room that are believers, you have the spirit inside of you that allows you to see God's perspective and have his wisdom to have the mind of Christ you have that ability like you go to this movie and it doesn't even make sense as a result of Paul understanding these things he's not upset about what has occurred in his life behind him around him or even before him because these things, like he's in prison in Rome when he's writing this letter, and nothing's going to steal his joy. 
this guy's like been through it all and he's still writing a letter about joy. And this is what he says in chapter 3, verse 12, where we left off last week. He says, not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Now that verse right there can really mess believers up. A pastor can really take that verse right there and beat the heck out of you. Really can. But what Paul is referring to here when he says, he says, the goal is to become perfect. Paul's really referring to his behavior. The things he does is what's imperfect. Not Paul himself. Because remember, Paul had a conversion experience where basically he believed in Jesus. And when he believed in Jesus, Jesus redeemed him and made his soul and his spirit perfect. You're perfect. I look out here and I see perfection. Not your behavior. I get it. Look, I, I know. And you're looking at me and my behavior. I... I get it. The behavior part is improving. And that's what Paul's literally saying. He's not satisfied with his journey of being imperfect in his behavior. Paul has a desire for his flesh to completely, to completely line up with his spirit. He can, he can see the difference between who I am, who I am, who Jesus has made me versus what I'm actually doing. He wants to know Jesus better and to completely, to completely walk by the spirit that resides in him. But he has taken, it says right here, but I've taken hold of the one who is perfect. And he did things perfect when he lived here on earth. And he's learning to let Jesus do this life for him, which is perfection in me. I'm learning on a daily basis. I'm still learning. Verse 13, he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. And, and get this, he, he's not playing the comparison game because the pe- comparison game can destroy you. If you start comparing yourself to other people in this room, myself or Matt or Luke or anybody else that's up here, don't even go there. Because Paul didn't even go there. Paul could have easily, easily rated his faith walk with those he knew and probably, he probably could have felt pretty good about himself. Because he was the teacher, the leader. I mean, Jesus did download directly to Paul and he had this experience that no one else had ever had. I mean, he he could probably see himself as a pretty good person. But he didn't compare himself to anybody on earth. He compared himself to Jesus. Like, it, I still got room to improve. I, I, I'm, I'm learning. I'm, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. I, I'm in the same boat. You know my failure. You see him. I go to stupid movies. <laughs> I eat all the time. He says... But one thing I do, 
forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. So, so what do you do? Do you focus on the past? Do you, do you sit in your, your misery? He's literally said, forgetting what is behind. My fleshly acts have already been dealt with and forgotten. That was what Jesus did on the cross. He literally, he literally died for my sin on the cross, and it's forgotten. I, I wasn't even born yet, by the way. <laughs> Just so you know, back when he died, he died for me in the future. He died for everything I've done, everything I'm doing, and everything I'm going to do. Thank God for that. Because if I did not have forgiveness, I literally would be sitting in a puddle of my past. But my past is gone. My yesterday is gone. My 16 years old is gone. And if it's gone for me, then it's gone for my spouse. And I should probably let it go. And for all the other believers who I hold on to their past, well, well I can forgive, but I can't forget. <laughs> he said, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting. To forget in the Bible literally means to no longer be influenced or be affected by it. It's forgotten. I mean, literally, God looks at me and he doesn't look at me for the things that I'm doing right now. That is sin. Anything that I'm doing sin-wise, he... That that sounds like, you know, basically I can do what I want. Well, I can. But if I understand what the sacrifice was for that to happen, I have no desire to do that. My, my fleshly acts, past, present, future, have already been justified by Jesus. Even my future has been justified. I live in a state of justification. And he, he's literally saying, as, I, as I'm reaching forward, it's like when a runner is running a race and he sees the finish line and he stretches out. He stretches out to get to the finish line. He's like, that's what I'm, I'm all about that right there. I'm getting to this finish line. Verse 14, he says, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. He's, he's not referring to salvation here, otherwise that would contradict everything that he said in the first 11 verses. That it's by faith and not by works. In order to run in the Greek games, you had to be a citizen. You didn't run 
and win to earn your citizenship. You are already a citizen. So this isn't about salvation. He's literally saying he's pursuing God. And then that's, that's the question that I get all the time from everybody is, well, I don't know, I don't know how to pursue God. <laughs> I, don't know how, I don't know how to pursue him. Well, you YouTube everything else. Why don't you YouTube how to pursue God? <laughs> I thought about that this morning, and I actually looked it up. <laughs> you get a bunch of lists if you enjoy that. Maybe try Charles Stanley. That's a good one. <laughs> Listen, Brock Purdy, quarterback for the San Francisco Giants. What? Yes. Brock Purdy, I, I mean, he loves Jesus. We, we, we've seen that this week. He's Mr. Irrelevant. He's the last guy chosen in the draft. He's never lost an NFL game. And if he goes into the huddle today and he says to the team, okay, guys, coach has a great game plan. We're just going to stand here and let him do his thing. They ain't going to win. And, and and otherwise, if he goes into the huddle and he says, hey, guys, whatever the coach has taught us, forget that. I'm going to take over here and we're going to do this thing. I'm not going to win the game. He gets in the huddle and he said, hey, here's the play coach called. Let's do it exactly as he taught us. This is literally what Paul's saying. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. If you want to know how to do life, pursue God. <laughs> you can pursue movies, and you end up in a big old bagel. <laughs> you can do that. God lets you do that. He says, therefore... Let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. He literally takes the word mature, which is the same word that he used in uh, verse 12, perfect. Mature means to be perfect. Those who are perfect. My, my journey ahead my journey ahead is God revealing things to me in my thinking and my doing. That's my journey ahead. And I make every effort. Yeah, but you, you teach rest. Yeah, I teach rest. Yeah, we talk about rest in here all the time. But I make every effort to rest. How, how do I do that? Well, I pursue God. I get to know God. And I'm like, when I get to know God, I'm like, okay, God, I, I'm sitting here with my camera going, dude, there's a lot of people in here this morning. And, and there's, he's like, there's a lot of pressure on you. I'm like, you sorry, sucker. <laughs> there's no pressure on me. There's no pressure on me. If I just get up here and rest, Lord, You take these words 
and you speak to these people. I, I want my journey to move forward. I, I'm not satisfied with where I am right here. I study. I learn. <laughs> I try to eat better. I try to exercise. I'm, I move forward some days just by taking a step. I get out of bed. And sometimes it, it's really, really hard. I mean, there's something inside of me that is telling me not to. You've been there? I, I battle, I battle in my head. I battle in my head. But two things I, I know for sure. Two things I know for sure. I know, I know my perfected spirit is leading me and convicting me of the goodness now and ahead. I know that. And the second thing that I know is that I am hopefully surrounded by a community that is echoing the same thing. That's constantly encouraging me. It's constantly telling me to stay focused on Jesus. For me, I'm, I'm blessed with an earthly partner on this journey. I, I realize it's not the same for everyone else in this room. But for me, it is. It's not my kids. It's my wife. <laughs> My kids left me. As it should be. But my second encourager is my wife. After the Spirit, of course. Then hopefully my kids hopefully my friends and the church. The world would be a, a bonus, but I'm not dependent on that because we've been set apart from that. That is, we've already been sanctified. Past tense. Jesus did that. I didn't do it. He set me apart. So now I've been justified. I've been sanctified. Verse 16, it says, in any case... We should live up to whatever truth we have attained. But wait, what? You, you, you mean the self-assessment may not be true? You know, there's, there, there's churches in Revelation. You go like first two or three chapters of Revelation, and they, they thought that they were wealthy when they were actually poor. And then there are those that thought they were poor when they were actually wealthy. Samson thought he was strong even though his hair had been cut. Like, self-assessment may not be true, but look, watch this. He says, in any case, he says, no matter what, no matter what, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. You should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Trust what you know. 
Trust what you know. What do you know? I know my perfected spirit is leading me and convicted me of the goodness now and ahead. I know that. I have to trust that. And then you get to this this next passage of Scripture and you have to zoom out. If you you sit there and ponder your most difficult situation, whether you're in it right now or whether you've been in it in the past, you know that it consumes you. You know that. It's all you can think about. But if you can zoom out, if you can zoom out with the Lord's help, you can see that there's a bigger picture. Like the things that you've dealt with already in your life have become smaller. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking death here. We're talking in s- struggles here. When you're in the midst of it, it consumes you but there's still a bigger picture while it's consuming you. So if we get that ability where we can zoom out, this is where Paul takes us. He's like, join, join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. Hang out with like-minded people and pay attention to how they pursue Jesus. Just hang out with them. We're not perfect in our behavior, but we pursue the perfect behavior of Jesus Christ. Just, hmm. He says, for I have often told you, now say again. Watch this, he says, and now say again with tears. Paul's weeping as he's writing this letter probably as he's dictating this letter, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul's weeping, 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 just thinking about those who oppose him upsets his stomach. I I hear a different perspective of the gospel and my stomach turns. I don't get mad Yeah, but it bothers me. Mm. And this is where Paul is. He's just like, he says, their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame, and they're focused on earthly things. I'm assuming that Paul most likely is referring to the Judaizers, the Jews that are coming along and saying to all these people, hey, you still need to get circumcised. Hey, you still need to be under the law. Hey, you still need to do this and that. Hey, there's dietary restrictions that you need to focus on and you need to attain wealth if you want to be worth anything. These are the Judaizers that are coming along and just contradicting his message that he's constantly giving to the church. He says this, Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm no longer citizens of this world i'm not a citizen of this world i once was a citizen of this world when i was born with a sinful nature and then i believed in jesus 
And then he changed my heart. He made me a new creation. He made me holy. He set me apart from everybody else. And now I am different from this world. And this world is not my home. I'm going to a better place. I don't expect us to act like the world. And I don't expect to be accepted by the world. Let me say that again to you believers in here. You will not be accepted by the world. Accept that. Because they don't think like we do. And we don't think like they do. Life matters. Life matters. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. I know you see this body. <laughs> uh but there's a glorified body that awaits me. I don't, <laughs> don't ask me what it looks like. Don't ask me how old it is. Don't ask me what it's going to eat. I don't know. I don't know. Those are all the questions that you get. It's like, how old are we going to be in heaven? There is no time in heaven. I don't know what that glorified body is going to look like. We have, we have some idea because Jesus came in a glorified body. I just don't know. I'll be honest with you. And then he says this, I'll, I'll stop here, verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, So then, my dearly loved, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, he's in prison in Rome writing to the church at Philippi, my joy and crown, in this manner stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Paul. Paul loved the church at Philippi. I love you. I love you. I always will. He just wanted to be with him. I, Dale said, I got to hang out with people this weekend. It's like there's something about being with believers that are like-minded, just hanging out with them, just being with each other. That's all Paul wanted to do. He's like in a room with Roman soldiers handcuffed to him. I just want to be with the church. He said, he said this to him, but since I can't be there, since I cannot be there, trust what you know. Trust what you know. Stand, stand firm together. Stand firm together. No wavering, no questioning, no doubting. Stand firm together in the Lord. In the Lord. Stand firm together in the Lord. Because we're strangers, we're aliens in this world. And we need each other. And we need to be like-minded. 
because sometimes it's just hard. It's just hard. Lord, I trust that um, these are your words today, not mine. I, I know that you love us, just as Dale was saying earlier, you love us. You care about us. May we trust that. May we pursue that. May we figure that out. May you just show us more this week. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.